0: Good morning, comrades, and uh, welcome to another week of uh, Workers' Power with... Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm Bill, and uh, I'm joined in the studio uh, uh, with our, our, my co-host, uh, Jackson, Calypso, and Dan. Uh, uh, first off, thank you to Art Cart, and uh, thank you to uh, Zedlines for bringing us up to date with all the uh, um, headlines. Um, so, that, so today on the show, we're going to be uh, discussing uh, plenty of uh, workers' actions. Uh, no guests this week, but... Uh, uh, plenty, plenty of things to discuss, um, and of course the world famous Scallywag of the week. Now we haven't finalised that, so we're going to put a call out. If you, if you've got someone to nominate for uh, Scallywag of the week, send us in a, a in a um, a message on uh, 0420 626 733. That's 0420 626 733. So send us in your nominations for Scallywag of the week. Um, and uh, we'll be uh, at that at the end of the show. But at the beginning of the show, as we always do and should, we like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land from which we broadcast, the Yuggera and Turrbal people. This land was stolen, never ceded. We pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging. We also acknowledge... um, all First Nations comrades listening today, we stand in solidarity with First Nations people in their struggle for recognition, reparation, and land rights. We live and benefit on stolen land, and it's time to pay the rent. Right. Oh, uh, well, we'll get into the show. We've got, um, we'll, we'll head on to our First Nations workers' action first off. Now, a uh, Gamilaroi man who died after police tar- tasering tasering Remembered as a Loving Father, and this one was written by Janetta Quinn-Bates from NITV News. Uh, Calypso, are you ready to go?
1: Yes. Yeah. The sister of a 27-year-old, Michael Peachy, says he was more than a brother, but a protector who looked after everyone. The family of a Gamilaroi man who died after an interaction with police in rural New South Wales last week have remembered him as a devoted father who held the family together. Michael Peachy died in Gunnada Hospital on Thursday evening after being tasered and pepper-sprayed by police. The death of the 27-year-old father has devastated the family and wider community with his sister, Sally Peachy, telling NITV News that he was the rock of the family. He was more than a brother to me and our siblings. He protected and looked after everyone, she said. Mr Peachy was one of eight siblings and a loving father to a three-year-old boy, Dwayne. His family claimed that Michael had never been in trouble with the law in the past, but in the week leading up to his death, he had a number of interactions with police, who the family say were aware of his mental health issues. On Thursday night, a call was made to police over concerns for Mr Peachy's well-being. A police statement released on Friday said that two officers were deployed to a home in Herbert Street and it alleged that the man became aggressive when officers attempted to speak with him. OC spray and a taser were deployed during a struggle with the man before he lost consciousness, it read. First aid was rendered to the man at the scene before he was taken by New South Wales Ambulance Paramedics to Gunnedah Hospital where he died a short time later. But Mr Peachy's family say they are infuriated with the lack of support that was given to him and are demanding answers as to why the level of force was used. We needed help. We were trying to get him help. But no one would help him without an assessment and no one would assess him, his sister Sally told NITV News. Members of the Gunnedah community will march from Moore Park to the local police station at noon on Wednesday to express their anger over the treatment of Mr Peachy.
0: Oh, for shame. For shame. You know, it's uh, you know, getting, getting um, tased and pepper sprayed out the front of We've your We've heard home. this
1: story a million times. Yeah,
0: that's right. That's right, and um, yeah, there's four little letters that just come to mind, isn't there? And yeah. one number... So the four little editors would be A, C, A, and B. And uh, the, the numbers would be 1312.
1: 1312. One,
0: one, 1312. For shame. And w- one thing this story does is
2: provide warning uh, over calling the police to deal with people who have mental health issues. It's incredibly dangerous. Um, like, yes, obviously you want to help that person and make them safe, but the police aren't going to do that. So to find another way.
0: Yeah, that's right. Police aren't social workers, you know, and far from it, you know. This man
1: was 27.
0: I know, 27, yeah, in, you know, prime of his life, you know, like about uh, everything in front of him, 27, you know, like for someone in their late teens, early 20s, 27 seems a long way away, but once you hit 27, it's all downhill from there, so to speak, and, uh, yeah, his life was all in front of him, and, yeah, this is such a shame.
1: What could possibly warrant tasing someone in a situation where you're supposed to assess and get help?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's right. And, uh, you know, what were they doing out there in the first place, you know? Like, uh, like yeah, back to, it, it should be social worker out there, not police officers. Um, yes, uh, very, very disturbing, yet, yet another death in custody. It just keeps going on and on and on. And we're going to chat a little bit now, a bit off the cuff, and uh, we're going to, this is our section, uh, Agitate, Educate, Organise, and what we wanted to do is uh, just have a little bit of a chat about Out of Deving Creek. Now there were some uh, big events that were held out there this uh, last weekend, and um, there were some some uh, excellent uh, stuff. Uh, and uh, where was it? Uh, so there, there was a truth and um, a truth and healing uh, on on the Sunday, and on the Saturday there was a, a corroboree. That's right. There was a corroboree on Saturday. So. Um, Yes, and uh, out of Deben Creek, which is um, out out past uh, Ipswich, and uh, you've heard us mention it before on the show, and uh, we just wanted to keep it uh, in um, everyone's uh, um, radar. Now, there's a few things that are are happening um, out there. So this Saturday, they've got a movie night, Our Generation, um, which is, uh, yeah, so that's 5 o'clock this Saturday, And then um, Sunday, uh, on Sunday 27th of June, there's another Truth and Healing Circle. So get in contact with uh, them. Their Facebook page is Justice for Deebing Creek, Tulma Truth and Healing Embassy. So, um, yeah, chuck in Justice for Deebing Creek into your uh, Facebook search. And uh, you will find all the information there and the main one that i wanted to mention is that they're doing a a fundraiser at the moment so get on there they uh uh they need the main thing that they spend their money on out there is water um that's it's one of them because they don't have town water so uh they need to uh, get get water shipped in there every now and again so uh yeah help out where you can every dollar um contributes and uh Yeah, and uh, shout out to all the uh, protectors that are out at uh, Deebing Creek, and uh, um, yeah. So uh, 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 there's also on World Environment Day uh, on Saturday, 12th of June at Deebing Creek, uh, they're going to be uh, um, join Auntie Busy and Auntie Fiona for a fun-filled day at the creek, learning about the animals and the plants and Mother Earth. Uh, so that's Saturday, twelfth of June. So, like I said, head to um, head to justice for Deebing Creek, and uh, find out lots and lots and lots more details. And, uh, and and when's a good time? Generally, a Saturday is a good time to go out there, isn't it, Dan? Weekends are the best. Yeah, weekends are the best. Go out and uh, um, yeah, yeah. Say hello, show solidarity, and uh, check the place out. Right, oh, that's about all we've got, and it's been a bit of a quiet week for us. But uh, I'm uh, there's so much happening this weekend, and uh, I'm sure that there's going to be more reports. The other thing that uh, I wanted to uh, mention in this space is, as for everyone to, uh, I think it's a uh, disrupt land forces, is what it's called. Let, let me just, yeah, that's right. It's disrupt disrupt land forces. So get on there. On that. once again, it's Facebook. Uh, like I always say, the uh, the capitalists have given us this organizing tool. we may as well use it while it's free, um, even though there is a price to pay. So yeah, dislike land forces uh, festival of resistance is on from may twenty eighth to June thirty 30- three in Mianjin. stand, dance and make art with us at the Bri- Brisbane Convention Center to get in the way of armed dealers like Boeing, Thales, Rheinmetall, Metal, EOS, and Elbit. Right. Now, further to that, I, 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 we're going to have a bit of a discussion here. Um, so next Tuesday morning is, um, is, is when the uh, Disrupt Land Forces thing begins. The Land Forces Conference begins, and, and the disruption begins next uh, Tuesday mm. at 7 a.m. So I thought that that was a great opportunity for us. I think I think we won't we won't um, go with all the high tech uh, uh, outdoor broadcast, but I think uh, one of us might be up to uh head staying at the, at the rally, and then phoning phoning in and, and letting us know what's going on. Have I got any? What, that sounds what,
1: like a great idea.
0: That yeah yeah you you'll be up for that, Calypso, and you can oh, ring Jackson us up.
1: Jackson has more experience than me.
3: <laughs>
0: but no no i, th- yeah. I think that uh, the excitement kids, that uh, you would yeah. bring i, I think it, it, it'll be we can call i can ring you up and uh we can we can uh, find out uh, your thoughts on the uh on the cover. Hopefully something exciting is
3: happening.
1: Uh, a lot of exciting things are going to be happening. Definitely a good opportunity for the agitate section of educate, agitate, or, organise. Uh, we've got a lot of powerful people who are going to be gathering in this place. And there's not a lot of opportunities for hu- us to have such close proximity to them. So I feel like a lot of people are going to be um, seizing this opportunity all right we'll, a lot we'll, of we'll, we'll, talk, we'll
0: talk a little bit more after the show but uh there, there you go comrades it uh, looks like uh we'll, we'll be uh broadcasting live uh albeit from a, a phone uh from uh the the um disrupt land forces festival uh next tuesday so um i'm thinking trying to head out there and try and be there at seven but then i've got to be here by nine to get the show started but uh yeah, I'll leave you out there, and we'll uh, we'll we'll call we'll call in, and uh, and uh, you, you can uh, give us a bit of an update. So uh, yeah, well, that sounds good. That sounds like some great radio. And uh, we're going to uh, rip into some uh, workers' action now. And uh, I think uh, uh, are you right for that first one there, Dan? United oh. Workers
3: Union. United Workers Union. Tip top Victoria members win. Essential workers at Tip Top worked through the pandemic to manufacture bread to people across Australia, but they weren't getting the respect they demanded from their employer. To win respect and job security for all workers, United Workers Union members across the three Tip Top sites in Victoria were getting ready to take industrial action this week when the company backed down and agreed to all of their claims. Tip Top workers won. 3% pay rise each year plus back pay on wages and allowances. Ten agency casuals immediately converted to permanent jobs. A pathway for agency casuals to secure jobs. Easter Saturday to be paid at triple time. Right on. New forklift allowance to $20 per week. All qualified bakers paid at level five. All conditions the company wanted to cut maintained. Union rights and more. Workers only won this fantastic deal because they were prepared to fight and ready to take a definite strike action food workers across Australia coming together in a union to win fair pay and conditions.
1: This is awesome.
3: Yeah, it is pretty good. Well, I wanted to... it, It is awesome
0: that they've got the 3%, but... It's three percent, comrades. Oh, uh, you know, like it, isn't it? Isn't it weird that we're we're happy to get a three percent pay rise in, in, it's in just the current inflation? Yeah, it's yeah, that's right. It, it, it's just going to cover the CPI and inflation. But this
1: is just the beginning.
0: Yeah, uh, that's right.
2: You Plus know, there's a lot more other things they want, such that's as right. a bunch of people no longer being casuals. Yeah, so.
0: yeah, ten agency casuals. That's that's the one that you know, like uh, always, you know, hear good things about that. Like uh, out at uh, Chemist Warehouse. Uh, when when they had industrial action out there, one of the things that they negotiated and won was that all casuals, who uh, so all the all the um, uh, what do they call it? Uh, the agency casuals, who 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 went on strike and stood on the picket line, were converted to permanent, mm. which is great, you know. That's but a that's huge a, win. That's that's a good win. But 10, 10 agency casuals immediately converted to permanent and pathways agency casuals to secure jobs
2: um, yeah. so an, an unfortunate one here uh, sort of is like all the conditions the company wanted to cut maintained it's a bit sad that that's an achievement yeah. but in, yeah. in well the
1: company wanted to cut conditions and they stopped them yeah. and on top of stopping them they they won more this is great
2: yeah and yeah, the current like labor
0: climate that's a huge achievement it is really. it is in the uh bare
1: minimum and that's
3: a huge achievement yeah
0: that's <laughs> what yeah, w- that's i think that's the point where we we're trying to make that that they've got the bare minimum but it's a huge achievement and it just shows the nature of the uh, worker struggle at the moment you know so Uh, Good on those uh, United Workers' Union stepping up. I wanted to uh, be our first workers' action to be a a, a bit of a win, so good on them uh, uh, for standing up for their workers.
1: I hope this inspires other industries to strike as well and win more victories.
0: A rising tide lifts all ships. We like to say on here on Workers' Power... Righto. Now here's a new one. Now I think I'll, I'll, I'll let Jack, this, this. I'll let Jackson go through this one. Uh, but a new. I, I, the reason I, I, I dragged this story out and wanted us to talk about this is because doctors are organising. So mm. yes. Yeah. So junior doctors to launch a new class action claiming unrostered, unpaid overtime. And this has come from uh, ABC News. Nadia Dali and Kirsten Kirsten, Robb. Yeah,
2: so half of all junior doctors recently surveyed in Victoria say they are making errors due to fatigue. New data has revealed it comes as the number of hospitals targeted by class actions by junior doctors in the state continues to grow. Western Health, which operates major Melbourne hospitals including Sunshine and Footscray, is expected to be the next health service to, a, to face a class action over alleged underpayment of its junior doctors, with several more health services to follow. Lawsuits are already underway against Monash Health, La Regional Hospital, and Peninsula Health Networks, which between them runs several major hospitals, including Dandenong Hospital and Frankston Hospital, and a separate class action is targeting hospitals in New South Wales. A class actions have been launched by the doctors' union ASMOF and are supported by the AMA. The doctors are claiming compensation for unrostered overtime as well as penalties against the hospitals for allegedly breaching the Fair Work Act by not paying for unrostered overtime. Gavin Wayne has been working as a doctor in multiple Victorian hospitals for three years and loves his work. It's a wonderful privilege to be able to go to work every day and help people, he said. However, he said there was a dark side to his profession, which he and the other junior doctors were now hoping to shine a light on through the class actions. As has long been the case in the medical profession, Dr. Wayne has often worked long hours on busy shifts with few, if any, breaks since he graduated from medical school. And like most doctors, when extra work is required, he will stay back to ensure patients get the care they need. An 8am to 9pm shift might require few hours a few extra hours of work, which meant, he said, your 13 hour day suddenly becomes a 16 hour day, which could be repeated for several days in a row. You haven't been able to take a break and in many cases haven't eaten in 12 or 14 hours. You don't drink water during the day because taking time to go to the bathroom is time away from patient care, he said. After a 16 hour day, I get to my car and I think, I really hope I'm going to be able to get home safely. I've been driving home and you realize you've been having micro-sleeps." He said there was an industry expectation that doctors would work several hours of overtime and there was a reluctance among them to put in claims to be paid for the extra work. Nearly all junior doctors are on a 12-month contract with incredibly insecure employment, Dr. Wayne said. We're worried about our futures and we're worried about being the nail that sticks out, that gets hammered. That's just the hours we're expected to work, because for many of our bosses, that's what they had to do. Another junior doctor, Carla Villafana Soto, said has been working for six years in Victorian hospitals and said when she had previously tried to put in claims for unrostered overtime, she was met with resistance. I've personally been called into meetings to question my competence as a junior doctor because I flagged that I was working for two hours past my finishing time, every single day at least, she said. We've heard examples of doctors working 24, sometimes 30 hours in a straight stretch. Lawyer Andrew Greck, a partner at Gordon Legal told 7.30. The the latest survey by the Australian Medical Association in Victoria found that 47% of the 1,000 junior doctors reported never being paid for unrostered overtime. Only 15% said they were always paid. The association's 2021 hospital survey found 47% reported making a clinical error due to fatigue. 50% said they had made an error due to excessive workload or understaffing and a third reported being brushed off when they raised serious concerns about their workload. The survey results reflect what the AMA's national president, Omar Khorshid, called an insidious culture problem within our system. The results of the long, unacknowledged hours could be devastating for patients and the doctors themselves, he said. We've seen car accidents at the end of shift, and we've seen medical errors, he said. We know that doctors working excessive hours are working at the same level as they would be if they had been drinking alcohol to a level of 0.05. You wouldn't be able to drive at that level of performance. But without any mechanism that checks hours, there's a significant possibility that you have impaired doctors looking after patients in hospitals. Dr. Villafana Soto said that she had seen the tragic consequences of the, de- the gruelling demands of the profession firsthand in her colleagues. Unfortunately, our profession loses colleagues to suicide. It's not spoken of publicly, but every couple of weeks we're hearing of someone who's passed away, she told 730. I've personally lost two friends to suicide. Dr. Filofana Soto said at its heart the class actions are about improving patient safety and overhauling the culture of the medical profession in the only language the hospitals will listen to, that is, she says, money. In statements, Monash Health, Peninsula Health, Western Health and the Victorian government said they valued their staff and Mm. respected the right of their staff to receive proper payment. They all declined to comment on the specific allegations of the class actions underway.
0: Of course they said they valued their staff and respected the rights of their staff to receive proper payment. Of course they said that.
1: They're not valuing their staff or their patients.
0: 12-hour mm. shifts. Look, I'm, I'm a I'm very anti 12-hour shifts. 16-hour shifts. Yeah, well, 16, yeah, 24 that's right. 24-hour shifts. Yeah. But the, the 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 shifts are twelve hours set, that, and then they're working on top of that, which means so they
1: don't get paid for the extra. Bit. Yeah,
0: that's right. So what I say is they should be doing eight-hour shifts, hmm. and then if um, they should be rostered on for eight-hour shifts, and then if they need to do it extra, they might be working twelve hours, but of course getting paid overtime. You're getting for paid it, for it. I don't think anyone should be working more than. Well, my personal opinion is is about ten hours in a day. You know, it's like, not safe. I don't think anyone should be working more than well, eight hours. Really, yeah, eight that's hours. right. Yeah, that's 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 right.
2: Especially doctors, who's yeah. like their ability to pay attention and notice
0: things. They and need focus. stay
2: awake. Yeah.
0: like it's life and death matter. Yeah, yeah. They, these are the people that look after us, so we want them well rested. You know, and in good frames of mind.
1: The long term fatigue. And also they mentioned that uh, because they don't have very long breaks, the lack of hydration, the lack of food, the lack of breaks, that will cause long-term concentration issues, which will deteriorate their ability to do their job.
2: But also it's like the the fact that the job is a matter of life and death is also what's f- like keeping them in this situation. It's like blackmail they're, yeah. They're being, it's basically like if they leave and go home now, people could die and they're being basically forced to stay at work because the hospital isn't getting enough staff to actually look after the patients they have. That's right.
0: You know, so um resource your 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 um hospitals and every now and again we hear of um you know, like uh, It's the right wording to use. Um, You know, poor people dying in hospitals due to um, inadequate care at the hospital, you know. And when you've got workers, uh, you know, working 12, 14, 16, up to 30 hours in a Mm. shift, for shame, for shame. Yeah, you
2: know? hopefully, the, like the culture, this is a long-term problem. It's been happening for like decades, mm. and it desperately need to change, and hopefully this is the start of something.
0: That's right, and uh, I like, look, they've been quite open and honest, uh, the doctors, I and mean, when they said that they're the only language that uh, the hospitals will understand is the dollar language, money. Mm. So uh, hit them hit where it hurts, and hopefully they'll... Uh, Hopefully they'll they'll fix clean up their act. How about we do the CFMEU story? Can, can Dan? Can you talk us through the CFMEU one? Oh, I like this one.
3: I thought oh, you did. did I say this the premier's name. I can never pronounce. Well, it. you could say Palachuk. Palachuk. Palachuk
0: you, you could say Palachuk if you want.
3: Palachuk, yeah. Yeah. Uh, this one's from the CFMEU. Uh, the government paints lipstick on a cross river pig. That's a great title. Uh, The Palaszczuk government is in denial about the problems besetting Cross River Rail and must establish an urgent and independent inquiry into delivery of the Trouble Project, according to CFMEU Assistant Secretary Jade Ingham. The government thinks progress on this Trouble Project can be measured by a number of self-congratulatory media releases being pumped out, Mr. Ingham said. Minister Mark Bailey and others like to crow about the advance of tunnel boring machines and anything else that might generate a lazy headline But they're conning Queenslanders about the true costs and benefits of this mega project What they don't tell you is every section of the cross river rail is behind schedule They don't tell you that the project is played by serious safety failures that put both workers and the public at risk Nor does their public relations machine tell you the government is ignoring its own policy when it comes to local jobs and procure- procurement. The only people getting value for money out of this project, a project that has already claimed the careers of the two previous responsible ministers, are the shareholders in the CIMIC CPB and the lavishly played executors at the CIR Delivery Authority, not the taxpayers of Queensland. This is a government that has already had its head, has its head buried in the Brisbane River silt when it came to the chronic mismanagement of the project by the C- CPB CIMIC, who are notorious for underpricing tenders, engaging the cheapest and shoddiest subcontractors possible, and then holding governments to ransom for more money halfway through a job. If the Pal- if the Palaszczuk government wants to be remembered for delivering a second-rate project that that came in the came in behind schedule and over budget and caused immense disruption to the public in the process, they are going the right way about it. On the other hand, if they are serious about delivering quality infrastructure with real and lasting economic benefits, they will commit to a full and independent inquiry into delivery of this project and ensure that it is delivered for the benefit of all Queenslanders, and not solely for the benefit of a rapacious multinational.
0: Right on, good on you, Jade. That was uh, a lot of that from Jade Ingham, the uh, assistant secretary for the from the CFMEU. A oh, great comment. Well worded. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's, yeah, they're, they're savage. Yeah, it yeah, gets <laughs> rips right in, doesn't hold back, which is what we like in unions, you know. Uh, they, they, they don't. You know, we've got to be critical. The unions have got to be critical of even the labor governments, you know. Like uh, uh, especially video, right? got to be critical. Especially, yeah. The yeah.
3: Media just parrot out the PO release.
0: Uh. That's right. I seen it on the news last night. And look, I do tune into the six o'clock news just out of habit. I think it is. You know, while I'm eating dinner and stuff like that, and they had all the flashy, you know, um, uh, talking about the machines. They've even given the the two uh, tunnel boring machines. They've given them names. Um, you know, That's and. Cute. Yeah, yeah, all cute and patsy, and and they've got two different crews. And I'll bet you, I was th- the thing that I was thinking when I was watching. I'll bet you they make the two crews compete against each other. You know, <laughs> I'll bet they do. eh, hey, you know, and um, you know, the underground work, and uh, you know, it'd be very, very tough for our CFMEU comrades um, down in underneath. Well, they've uh, apparently the 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 news article was they've made it through to the other side of the river. Yeah. You know, but as we learn today, the real news when you tune into Workers' Power on Four Triple Z, you find out that they're, they're behind schedule, they're over budget.
1: And they're in a uh, great position to extort more money, um, as well, because we've got the Olympics coming up most likely, and they're going to want that public transport infrastructure ready for that. And if it's not ready in time,
0: yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right right I will um, um, one thing go. which I quite
2: like about this story is that like it highlights a interesting um, function of a union that isn't often talked about and that it's it's like an insider look into what's actually happening uh, like because companies will always put out their PR and say everything's going great invest more money into us or buy our products and all that but the union serves as a means of like reporting on the truth and finding out what's actually happening
0: yep that's right you know, like yeah, uh, you're not going to hear that on Channel Seven. News that it's over. Well, I didn't hear it last night. That it yeah. was over, over budget and 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 a, a past deadline. So that's
1: why you got to subscribe to Four Triple Z. That's oh, <laughs> so you can hear the real story.
0: Oh, great work, Calypso. Now, how, how do you, how would you subscribe to Four Four Triple Z? You would go to uh, www.4ZZZ.org.au and. Uh, Click on the links. A uh, forward slash support would, would help you out, and yeah, uh, come and be a part of uh, the greatest uh, radio station in the world, and get that warm inner glow of being part of Four Triple Z. Right. So the the story that uh, I wanted us to um, have a little good chat about is a delivery delivery loses unfair dismissal case after rider sacked for being too slow is ruled an employee and this is by um, nam zo um, from the guardian this is an excellent probably the best article written on it um have i got a volunteer for sure i can go, ahead and go for it
2: so australia's fair work commission has ruled that a delivery rider was an employee not a contractor in a decision that will have ramifications for the wider gig economy Commissioner Ian Cambridge ruled on Tuesday that the rider who was sacked via email for being too slow during the height of the COVID-19 pandemic was unfairly dismissed and was the subject of harsh, unjust and unreasonable treatment. Food delivery companies like Deliveroo or Uber Eats class their workers as independent contractors rather than employees, meaning that the delivery riders are not entitled to award rates of pay, sick or annual leave, or protections against unfair dismissal. But the Commission ruled on Tuesday that the worker, a Brazilian national who migrated to Australia, was in fact an employee due to the level of control that Deliveroo possessed over him. The rider, Diego Franco, had been working for Deliveroo for three years when he was sacked. The commission found that Deliveroo regularly tracked its, ri- its delivery riders and compared their times, known as a rider experience time, and used data analytics to, slow- to identify slow deliverers. Deliveroo identified Franco's delivery time as being 10 and 30% slower than the average delivery time of other riders. Franco arrived in Australia on Christmas Day in 2016 and began working for Deliveroo four months later in April 2017. On Tuesday, the Fair Work Commission ruled that this dismissal was without valid reason. The dismissal involved an entirely unjust and unreasonable process, (coughs) including the complete absence of any opportunity for Mr. Franco to be heard before the decision to dismiss was made, Commissioner Cambridge wrote. The Commissioner also found that Franco should be classed as an employee rather than a contractor. The level of control that delivery possessed, when properly comprehended, supported the existence of employment rather than an independent contractor. Decisions made by the Fair Work Commission can be appealed to the federal court. In December last year, Uber settled a case before the full bench of the federal court about another unfair dismissal case involving a gig worker thereby avoiding what would have been a landmark ruling on the status of gig workers. The Transport Workers Union said at the time it believed Uber settled because the company was facing defeat after a series of critical questions from judges in an earlier court hearing. On Tuesday, the union's national secretary, Michael Kane said the delivery judgement has huge implications for gig workers in Australia. We urge the federal government to look at it today and start devising regulation now, he said. Diego worked hard for Deliveroo for three years and was booted off the app with no warning and over spurious claims that he wasn't working fast enough. He wasn't given a chance to argue his case and was left struggling to support his wife and a baby daughter. The treatment of gig workers isn't just unfair, it is deadly. Riders work under the spectre that they may get sacked at any moment and they are forced to risk their lives to make deliveries quickly. Last year, five delivery workers died on the job in Australia in the space of only two months. A spokeswoman, woman for delivery, said it planned to appeal a decision, and was confident that riders are independent contractors. We do not accept the premise upon which the decision was taken, and do not believe this reflects our delivery riders' work with the company in practice. She said,
0: "All right, a few things to dissect here in in, in this. Um, first off, in, in in go back to that Uber ruling, and Uber settled. So that, that that's where we we're, we're, we're fraught." With, with danger in 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 the courts, right? So, you've got one. Say Diego, right? Let, let, I'll speak candidly about Diego, right now. He's one. He's 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 in the box seat, right? And and it's going to the Supreme Court uh, for an appeal. But but if you compare it it's to, going the, to a federal court, a federal court. Yeah, court, yeah, federal. Yeah, sorry about that, and. Um, uh, and the thing is, like with Uber uh, at last uh, year, they can just throw a heap of money at Diego and it goes away. Hmm. So Diego
1: is br- forced to take that if he's not. No, given
0: that no, option. no. He, it, you know, like, say, we'll use ballpark figures for the, for the, the one of an argument, right? So they offer Diego a million dollars. Yeah, we're going to settle. You go away. Here's a million dollars. Well, they're going to save millions upon millions of dollars right so to, to lose one isn't gonna you know so mm. that's probably what ha- probably I'll, i will use the word probably what happened with the uber so you've only got the one person who's the test case right so if that one person gets an offer that i can't refuse i.e I. I. a million dollars I, I, I you would not blame that worker for taking it, how
1: could you refuse? How that? How could you refuse? That's going to change think- his life. That's
0: right, and it's going to set your family up forever. And then all of a sudden, the the transport workers, we well, all 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 workers in, in the gig economy, are back to square one because it's been settled, you know, and and it hasn't been, uh, um, r- r- the the precedent hasn't been realised. So let's hope that, that that I'm I'm completely wrong, which I am often. Um, but um, yeah, let, let's hope that uh, uh, Diego fights and um, a, and has the support of the Transport Workers Union and and uh, they they win the appeal as well because it's going to uh, have a, a huge impact on on all the gig, all the gig workers you know with Uber, um, um, you know, the, the 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 drivers and and then also the menu logs the the uber eats the deliverers and all these types of people you know all these companies who <laughs> Who are uh, in a race to the bottom? And the other one that we were talking about, Dan outside, uh, Dan, uh, we were chatting about outside, is Airtasker. It's a dreadful yeah, one.
3: The ultra casualisation of our workforce. Mm. Yeah,
0: that's that's People right. Are
1: forced to take these gigs in order to pay the rent, they can't make up, and it has no job security.
0: Mm. And they've got workers competing against workers. AirTasker is a, a it's a, it's a bidding platform for work. So you go, I want my lawn mode. Who's interested in doing? It? No, 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 you're too much. 20? No, not still too much. Or oh, 15? Yeah, I'll take that. You the know. two
3: models Jeez. these giant corporations use, they either make us compete, uh, really highly competitively compete against each other for work, like Airtasker, or they do the opposite with, like, Deliveroo and Amazon, where you never see your fellow co-worker. You're completely anonymous to each other.
0: Yeah, so... Um and uh, the the interesting point that the TWU made was um, that the government has uh, they've, they've got to do something about it. They're just sitting back, you know, and not doing anything about it, not not uh, introducing uh, new legislation into the Fair Work Act, uh, you know, to look after these workers. No, they're just going to let the bosses exploit them for as long as they can. Um, yeah, and uh, the 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 alarming thing uh, point about. Uh, this uh, story was four workers have have, have, have have been killed on the job. Mm. You know, and uh, I'd, I'd hazard to guess that they wouldn't have, you know, adequate compensation from, you know, because they're not an employee. Um, there might not be any insurance there, and their families are, you know, going to be left high and dry.
1: And that number's going to grow if nothing changes. Not true. One thing right.
2: which I find pretty, like, wild with this story is. The way they track every worker and like ch- compare them and then get rid of the slowest people and that's pretty like it's kind of scary. It's very yeah, it's a very new thing. The whole tracking worker stuff, but it's quickly becoming widespread. Um, and it's obviously very easy to do in the um, in the gig economy. Yeah, you have if to compete. Working
1: class, you don't get to slack off even for a minute.
0: Yeah, mm. and and you have to compete against others for below-award jobs. It's,
1: yeah. And it's this
0: sort of
2: tracking stuff which leads to those deaths.
0: Yeah, yeah, because they know they're on the clock and someone's watching them or or the computer's watching them, you know. Well,
3: people put the wrong data in, like we saw with the doctors not lodging their hours that they're not being paid for over time. It just disappears in statistics because the people aren't actually updating the proper data, so Mm. it disappears, so...
0: Right, uh, we'll, we'll move into some international workers action, and uh, oh, this is a great story. Uh, 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 following on from our story last week where Italian uh, dock workers are refusing to um, load arms t- on their way to Israel, there's uh, South African dock workers refuse to unload Israeli ship in solidarity with Palestinians. Um, this one, Oh, a new publication you found. Middle East Eye. Oh, they were the first one to come up on the search results. <laughs> ah, good one by Azad Essa. All right, uh, I think, uh, young
1: Calypso, you could walk
0: us through this one.
1: Dock workers in South African port of Durban have refused to offload cargo from an Israeli ship in protest against Israel's offensive on the besieged Gaza Strip. The South African BDS coalition told Middle East Eye that dock workers belonging to the South African Transport and Allied Workers Union would not offload the cargo from Israeli vessel following a call from the Palestine General Federation of Trade Unions. Port authorities instead facilitated the offloading after being informed about the protest by the union. The dock workers' action comes just days after similar action was taken by dock workers in the Italian city of Livorno. ...to refuse to load an arms shipment to a ship belonging to the same Israeli company, Zim Integrated Shipping. The port of Livorno will not be an accomplice in the massacre of the Palestinian people, Leon Sindicali de Bassi said in a statement. According to the JTA, the Italian government stepped in and put an end to the brief protest... ...after it emerged that an Israeli union in Haifa had told its workers to stop unloading Italian vessels... Sim, considered the 10th largest shipping company in the world, did not immediately reply to the MEE's request for comment. Also on Friday, the South African BDS coalition and partners, including Satwu, will hold a rally in Durban to celebrate the stalling of the Israeli vessel, the movement said. They will also demand that South African government-owned Transnet port company stop goods travelling to or from Israel. ...through South African ports. We do not want Israeli ships or goods in South African ports and shops... Roshan Dadu, a member of South African BDS Coalition, told MEE. We salute our dock workers and will continue to work in struggle with them... ...to ensure that South Africa becomes an apartheid-free zone. Dadu said the coalition hopes the South African government... ...takes their lead from the dock workers and immediately cuts all ties trade, diplomatic, cultural academic and sport with the oppressive Israeli regime Pressure is mounting on the South African President Cyril Ramaphosa to cut all ties with Israel following the latest offensive on Gaza Over the last 11 days Israeli airstrikes have killed at least 232 Palestinians in the Gaza Strip Of those killed 65 were children 39 were women and 17 were elderly men In Israel, 12 people have been killed. Speaking to France 24 earlier this week, Ramaphosa said the situation in the impoverished Palestinian enclave reminded him of apartheid. This, for us, is very close to our own suffering, Ramaphosa said, adding that the images of destroyed homes, people being forced to flee due to airstrikes and Israeli forces manhandling Palestinians brought back terrible memories. The South African BDS Coalition also announced that dock workers in Oakland, California, were planning to stop the offloading of another Zimline's ship there. Right on. The potential action in Oakland follows a similar refusal in 2014, when the International Longshore and Warehouse Union also refused to offload a Zimline's ship. Similarly, in 2009, South African dock workers in Doburn refused to offload Israeli goods during the Israeli... Bombardment of Gaza that left close to 1,400 Palestinians dead.
0: Right on, no war but class war.
2: Yeah, I was actually shocked when I read this. Like, it was the first article I found searching this up, and it has a lot in it. Like, it has the whole history of the stuff. Like, the the people in Durban have been doing it since 2009. And then, like, it's got international solidarity in Oakland from 2014 to this year. And all the stuff in Italy too. It's um, it's cool that like it's it seems like it's spreading. Like it started in Italy, it's going other places. But uh, these is stuff that's been they've been building this movement for years in those places, uh, and it's uh, great to see them um, taking action once again in light of the rec- recent attacks.
0: Yeah, it's uh, you know good good yeah. Workers got to stick together. You know, and that's that's what we've got to do and uh, and that that's another thing to, on the um, disrupt land forces thing you know like uh, workers have got to get out there workers have got to got to be a part of this you know and uh, um, and and show that um, the working class don't don't want don't want wars we don't we don't want to uh, um, you know, be building uh, killing machines. We, we don't want to be sending... No one benefits
1: you know, from that except no, for the war profiteers.
0: That's right, that's right. And uh, Yes, yeah, so, um, yeah, Palestine is on our radar and uh, from the river to the sea, Palestinian should be free. Alright, uh, we, we'll move on. Uh, uh, another one that uh, a national strike in Colombia. I like the sounds of that. This is a view from the streets of Bogota, 17th of May. Um, Jackson, you... Uh, Sure thing. So, since the beginning of the
2: month, the people of Colombia have erupted in revolt in response to the tax reform bill, which robs people of health care during the pandemic. However, the concerns of the people have only just come to a head. After decades of guerrilla struggle in the countryside, FARC signed a peace agreement in in 2016, yet the Colombian state has continued to massacre former militants and wreak havoc on the villages that had previously been under their protection. Additionally, the state has not rectified the problems that led to the armed struggle, such as land redistribution, poverty and inequality have continued unabated. Additionally, the Colombian state has turned its war machine against the people. In the first month of 2021, at least 57 influential participants in social movements have been murdered. 20% 20 of them indigenous people, most of whom were from the province of Cauca. In addition, there were 158 femicides in the first two months of the year and several other massacres. As more and As more and more people have risen up, the state has responded with violence, torture, and rape, causing further indignation and more powerful responses on the street. Here's a report from the streets on Bogota on what is happening. Every day there are blockades in different parts of the city. The main focus of resistance is happening in marginal and working class neighbourhoods, where every night there are confrontations with police, but also paramilitaries. It's very intense, like war. In the countryside there are also many protests, blockades, and actions. Actually, the most militant actions are happening in the countryside. They have to resist the military, police, and paramilitaries. Many things are happening every day. There are local neighbourhood assemblies where people are organising. There are many cultural events of resistance. And if you go around the city, there are multiple blockades, from small groups to a few main areas of resistance where people are concentrated. For example, there is a place called Heroes in the north of the city, kind of a point where many marches cross. There are six to seven places like this in Bogota where people concentrate. The most militant is Portal Las Américas, which is under heavy repression. If you go to a demonstration, you have to be careful if you're separated from others. The police prey on people in in the back alleys. There is a total block on information by the media and government about the situation
0: but that won't stop us here on workers power um bringing you uh th- these uh bringing you up to date with these these things so um great great find uh, jackson yeah
2: this uh as usual came from Ab- abolition media worldwide oh yes you know. great uh,
0: great news source and um, that's one thing that uh, we, we've done here on workers power we've all found some some good news uh, reliable news sources and uh you know, it's not mainstream media. Um. <laughs> um, so, yes, uh, yeah, good, good on those uh, workers. Um, national strike, um, you know, there should be more of it. And uh, could you imagine, just, just for one minute, if, if uh, you know, like the, the uh, ACTU, you know, grew a backbone and, and called a national strike, I wonder what would happen here in our country. I think that there'd be a lot of arrests. I think there would be people losing their jobs, and because here in Australia, we've we've got some amongst the worst striking laws in the world. Yeah, believe it or not, eh? You know, people like will
1: lose more than just their jobs.
0: Yes, that's right. You know, so I- even some places in America have got better industrial uh, laws than what we do here, and uh, the right to strike is is fundamental. Um, to to workers' rights and, and class struggle, and uh, you know, like uh, the, um, the 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 previous governments that we've had in in Australia have uh, taken away that right to strike and that that right to withdraw our labour.
2: Yeah, and that didn't happen. That wasn't something that the government just did by themselves. That was the result of a collaboration between the ACTU and the Labor government to bring about this. Um Repressive regime.
0: That's right, that's right. And, uh, you know, the ACTU, they just care about their foot at the table and, and um, yeah, their um, safe labour seats, you know, which uh, is where their secretaries go, you know, secretaries and presidents of the ACTU always end, end up in the Labour Party and, uh, um, yeah, they're more worried about that than, than they are about workers, they're more re- worried about the seat at the table than what they are about true worker solidarity. Um, but, uh, yeah, over in Colombia, they, um, they're standing up and fighting back, but, uh, you know, look, there, there, there's, um, you know, violence, torture, rape, you know, and, um, y- y- yes, uh, so kind of, you know, I wanted to try and have a think of, you know, how, how, what, how a national strike would go down here in Australia. Not well. <laughs> you know, the bosses would not like it at all.
2: I mean, I doubt it would be as bad as in Colombia, but yeah. it, it
0: wouldn't be good. No, it won't be good at all. Well, now, we're going to quickly just talk about a couple of events, mainly to do with ACM. Now, there's a, uh, an anarchist, communist, a Mianjin. Now, there's a movie night tonight, is there, Jackson?
2: Yeah, they're what are putting they on a documentary called A Place Called Chiapas, which is... About the Zapatistas and their struggle to uh, to create an autonomous region in the Chiapas region in Mexico, and which they have successfully done, and which still exists, and is like one of the only existing examples of like what I would call communism in the world. Um, which is pretty great. So yeah, that's a movie tonight at Common House. And then
1: seventy four B Wickham.
0: Yeah, and then uh, com- the the most important uh, probably well no, the most important meeting at Common House uh, this week is is there's another tenants union meeting on Saturday I Saturday, believe 1 it's a Saturday one p.m. Saturday one p.m. at seventy four B Wickham, Wickham street, uh, street, Fortitude Valley, Fortitude Valley, and. Uh, and uh, yeah, so if if you're a tenant, um, get on there and uh, start organising. Right, a quick, quick one. We we're not going to delve too long in, in on this one um, for Scallywag of the week. But uh, the Scally, we're going to it's going to be a cab this week, as in all cops are bastards, and um, I don't mind saying that out loud, especially when you when you're r- reporting of. Of uh, uh, you know workers, First Nation workers, uh, being tasered to death—is uh, that the right term? Ta- or tasered and
2: pepper sprayed, and
0: tasered and pepper sprayed. So all those police officers. Well, now look, let's just go every cop. Hmm. is our scallywag of the week. All cops. Hey, didn't we do this recently? We did. Oh, they're, they're winning recently. a lot. <laughs> they are.
1: Well, unfortunate look, we... that the same story keeps playing out every week.
0: <laughs> That's right, and we'll just keep calling it and never know the the uh, cops might might even win scallywag of the year. They they'll be in the running. We might have. They might be in. in, We might have to put them in the same category as Scott Morrison. More
3: social workers. Yeah, yeah,
0: that's that's exactly right.
1: When we're we're living on a land that has an ongoing genocide, there's bound to be a bit of a recurring scallywag.
0: (laughs) That's right. Um, The uh, disrupt land forces thing will be happening next week, so we'll be trying to cover that. And that's it for us here on Workers Power. And we'll see you next Tuesday.